Hi, everyone. It's Franny Jefferson, host of the podcast, See the Invisible, Living with an Invisible or Rare Disease. And I just wanted to let you know how excited I am about working with Anchor on my new podcast. First, I was really, really nervous, apprehensive, because I had no idea how I was going to do this all on my own. But Anchor has made it so easy. First of all, it's free, so no cost to start up. You can use pretty much equipment that you already have in most cases. There are tools online that can help me choose cover art, um, even music to use during the podcast. They'll distribute it for you so that you don't even have to worry about reaching out to any of these giant podcatchers that I wouldn't even know where to start. And I can also make money on this. So this is great. I don't even have to have a minimum number of listeners or listens on the podcast. So I'm just really excited about this going forward. Anchor is everything that anyone can need to make a podcast all in one place. So I'd like to encourage you, if you're even thinking about starting a podcast, go visit Anchor and just download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to my podcast, See the Invisible, Living with an Invisible or Rare Disease. My name is Rhonda Franny Jefferson, and I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to stop and listen. I hope that everyone can get some knowledge or feel supported after the podcast. Um, That is my goal, is to try to bring positivity and support to anybody impacted by an illness. This is not only those who actually have the illness, but also their support system, their family and friends, because everybody who is around someone with a chronic illness is impacted. And I wanna show that support for our support system. I do also want to give a disclaimer that I am in no way a medical insurance or legal expert. I encourage everybody to do research on their own, whether it's about your individual illness or information regarding treatments. Everybody's situation is unique. What I'm trying to do is give a voice to those who may have had to struggle to get the diagnosis or to get treatment and show that you're not alone, that there is someone out there who's gone through a similar experience One of the things that made me start the podcast is interaction with those on social media. I don't tend to comment on a lot of things on social media other than, you know, post by family and friends that, you know, I want to reply to. But in regards to the pandemic, I did come across a few where I wanted to make sure I said my piece. And these were usually ones where there was rhetoric or false information basically stating that only those who are at risk will die from COVID-19, that basically it's those who are considered at risk that are causing the economic downturn. This is not true, but there are people out there who believe that as well as they believe it's not necessary for them to have to wear a mask because you know they're young and healthy. Unfortunately, those who are young and healthy have also contracted COVID. 
there have been long lasting impacts to that individual and their family. So I wanna make sure that there is awareness all around about that impact. At times I felt like I was being pointed out unfairly, but it gave me the strength to say, I'm done just doing this online, on social media, when one person responded that he was not going to read my answer when he specifically asked me a question. So at that point I realized there's no point trying to argue with someone who admits that they're not going to listen to you. But I figured there was a way that I could help. And it wasn't through arguing with someone on social media. It was trying to let everyone know that they have a voice that deserves to be heard, that should be heard, and we're going to make sure it is. One of the major goals of the podcast was to try to show how we can become our own health advocate. I did start to discuss communication last week, specifically making lists and asking questions of your doctor. The previous podcast to that, I had gone over a list that gave some of the key points on how to become your own health advocate. And I was a little disheartened because the very first thing mentioned was understanding how insurance works. So I started my last podcast with the communication and asking questions because I wanted the first thing that I discussed to be more empowering, but like it or not, we do have to deal with insurance. So I did think about it after putting all of the information together and thought that, okay, um, 25 minutes of just complete insurance terms would probably get a little monotonous and very boring. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to start out with a few terms and types of insurance and then discuss something else near the end of my podcast and then we'll finish up on the next one. That way it's not all this information coming at you at once because I know just reviewing it and trying to take notes for it was quite overwhelming. So to go over some of the key terms in insurance, one term that we may have all heard is premium. Premium is basically the amount that is paid for your policy. If you receive insurance through your employer, then in most cases, part of the premium is paid by the employer and the other part by you. There's also Medicare, in which case someone who has either reached retirement age or has filed for and been approved for disability through the Social Security Administration, they are eligible for Medicare. There are different types of add-ons that you can add to your Medicare or choose from, so your insurance when you look at it, you'll have to add prescription coverage, um, even things in regards to care at a hospital. So you really wanna make sure that you're looking at those and choosing the best plan for you. The insurance marketplace was created out of the Affordable Care Act. And what this does is it allows those who may not get insurance through their employers, but could not afford insurance on their own, to get insurance through their state, meaning it's their state that actually reviews everything, then another insurance company, an actual insurance company will administer. 
the insurance benefits. You would then receive tax credits based on your income and how many dependents you have. And those tax credits could help offset the total or partial cost of that premium. Now, you may fall into a category where you may not actually meet either um, designation, meaning that you don't get insurance through your employer, but you make too much to really have the benefit of the insurance marketplace. And so you would pay for that premium completely on your own. Where the Affordable Care Act does help with that is if you did have a pre-existing condition that has been eliminated from insurance. And what a pre-existing condition would be is, for example, if I tried to get health insurance outside of an employer, because of the illness that I have, I most likely would not be approved. So with the Affordable Care Act, what that did was eliminate that phrase really from insurance. So that would benefit those who have an illness who who are actively trying to get insurance. There is also Medicaid, which is again administered through your state, but managed by an insurance company. Um, Depending on where you live, you may have a choice or not of who that insurance company is. Medicaid is need-based, so in other words, based on your income. Now, in terms of children, there is a type of healthy children's program. In my state, it's called CHIP. And what that does is if you're in a situation where you are above the income limits for, say, Affordable Care Act or you know, it's really cost prohibitive through your employer, you can see if you qualify for the healthy children's program, in which case, if you meet the income requirements, you would get a lowered premium And then, at least in my experiences, all the treatments for the children are covered. We are now going to discuss probably my least favorite word in the world, deductible. What a deductible is, simply put, is the amount that we have to pay before our insurance coverage kicks in. So I'll just use some round figures for examples. You could have a deductible that is $3,000 And what that means is your first $3,000 of health services each year, you have to cover 100% out of pocket. That leads into the next term, which is your maximum out of pocket cost each year. Depending on the insurance coverage you have, you may have this area where you've met your deductible, but your insurance is not covering everything. And this is where your out of pocket costs come in. It's where you would either be paying a percentage or a certain copay for your health services, and only when that maximum out-of-pocket cost is met will insurance kick in completely. So to give an example, I'm just going to say, okay, I've met my $3,000 deductible, but let's say my maximum out-of-pocket per year is $5,000. So that $3,000 deductible is already going towards that maximum out-of-pocket, And if my insurance plan pays 50%, what that would mean is for the next $4,000 worth of services, I would pay 50%, they would pay 50%, and that would mean $2,000 for myself that I would be paying, plus the $3,000 would put me back at my maximum out-of-pocket cost for the year. So that would be my second most important number. 
from that point on, then insurance will kick in and cover everything as long as it was approved. I have heard some insurance plans when they are considered high deductible and high out of pocket as being catastrophic coverage. And what that means is the insurance that you have may not provide a lot of benefit on an annual basis, but if there were to ever be an emergency such as a major operation um, or cancer treatment or things like that, then you would actually have a better benefit because those types of treatments and procedures cost even into the hundreds of thousands of dollars. So having that insurance would then become very beneficial. On my next podcast, I'll start to discuss the different types of insurance programs such as HMO, PPO, and what their differences are. Um, but there's a lot within those differences that I wanted to want to discuss. So I'm putting those off until next week, but what I want to remind people that they can do is make sure that you check your bill over to make sure it looks accurate. Um, This is important because either someone else may not be getting the full benefit of their insurance, um, you might be overpaying. You wanna make sure that you're not paying in duplicate. I have had a few experiences with this where I paid a bill, I had the check clear, I got another bill, and as it was a doctor that I see on a somewhat regular basis, I really didn't find it surprising that I got a bill, but when I checked the date, I knew I had paid it. So I had to make the appropriate phone calls, um, follow up with, with the doctor's office and try to get that resolved. But that would mean I was not double paying. Another incident that occurred is I received my bill one day and also had checked some information on their app and found that it said I met my maximum out of pocket for the year. And I knew that this was not possible. Looking into the different claims on the insurance, I found that they had claims listed for my husband in a completely different state that there was no way he could have traveled to and been in during that time. And then there were hurdles to jump through because of HIPAA. But at the same time, I'm looking at this bill and I can actually tell everything that somebody has had done and know that it was an inpatient stay. So could definitely say that there was no way my husband was there. And even the insurance company was limited on what they could help me with because neither one of us was that person. And what we figured out after many phone calls and many questions is someone in Tennessee had the same name and same birth date as my husband. Um, They were brought in on an emergency basis, didn't have the insurance card with them. They had their license though, so the hospital and care providers put in his name and birth date and somehow came up with my husband. I don't know how all of that works, but that's what a conference call was able to figure out. But while I was on the conference call, everybody was in this quandary, this, you know, this kind of riddle, like how are we going to get to the bottom of this because per HIPAA, no one can discuss anything with me 
technically no one could discuss it with my husband because they would ask the last four digits of the social security number to verify, but he didn't know the other person's social security number. So I had a really, really great person helping me out through the insurance company who after many, many phone calls and another couple bills still showing up, we finally had everything resolved. Now, on the one hand, I could look at that and think, okay, I've met my out of pocket, so you know, why would I complain? But at the same time, I don't know if that would then create issues for the person who was receiving treatment in Tennessee. What was happening there is they would get the bill for whatever amount the insurance didn't pay, but then they also weren't going to be getting the benefit of having those costs go towards their deductible and out of pocket once the mistake was actually caught, if it was ever caught. So there was so much going on with that. And I admit before then, I really didn't check my bills that much, but because I saw through um, the app that I'd met my out of pocket, it really just made me question everything. So I do hope that individual is doing well. It was about five years ago. Um, but again, it was very concerning as, as I could also see every single thing that this person was having done while in the hospital as it was part of a claim. The last thing I want to make sure that you are checking with your insurance is regarding your prescriptions. Um, depending on the insurance you have, it you may be able to get prescriptions through um, your insurance company. That's what mine is like. They're partnered with um, a pharmacy where my maintenance medication I can get by mail and everything counts towards my deductible and out of pocket. So if I spend $100 a month in prescriptions, which I would be lucky if it was only 100, um, but that 100 would count towards my deductible. And this is important to know because if you do have expensive prescriptions, then knowing what you need to pay out of pocket is very important. You don't wanna to go to the pharmacy thinking, okay, I've met my deductible, and then find out that you have to pay for the prescription out of pocket. Um, also, checking whether or not certain prescriptions need a pre-authorization. Um, there was a prescription I had many years ago that normally is not needed until someone is in their 50s or 60s, and I was in my 20s, so I had to go through a pre-authorization since I did not fit the typical mold of the person who would be taking this medication. Um, and you also want to make sure whether or not certain medicines have to be generic because usually unless there is a very specific reason that the prescribing physician wants you to take the name brand, most insurances will revert to the generic form of the medication. So I said that I didn't, did not want to spend the whole time just reviewing all these insurance terms, as fun as that may be. Um, but I did want to discuss something that is important to me right now this year, and it does, though, involve insurance. As we've been getting through the last few months of 2020, you know, there are either regular routine appointments that I need or you know, different treatments that I need to have where I cannot get the appointments in this year. The, one of the reasons being that during the initial days of the pandemic until restrictions were loosened, some doctor's offices were closed, surgical centers were closed, 
elective procedures were in essence pushed back and had to be rescheduled. So while I'm trying to make these appointments, I have very little leeway at all if I want to try to fit them into 2020, but in most cases, I've not been able to. This goes back also to my dental and eye benefits. Um, they work a little bit differently where usually you're allowed a certain amount per year towards say your glasses or dental work and then um, the insurance will stop covering. Unfortunately, I could not get everything done that I needed this year um, as far as dentistry goes. Um, and that's one of the side effects of my medication is it does affect my teeth. So I'm usually you know, very up to date with that. But then also a medication that I was on affected my eyes and I got cataracts at age 40 and I have to do follow-ups. Um, just a suspicion right now is I'm thinking that I may need to have some scar tissue removed. Um, it's a very quick procedure, but it's still you know, pretty cost prohibitive if I have to do that out of pocket. Uh, I could not get the actual consultation appointment until the last week of December. So I know there's not really a way that they would be able to schedule me in for the procedure if I needed it. So what I'm actually proposing and what I wrote a petition for on change.org is to allow an individual to choose whether or not within the first three months of 2021 they want to use benefits designated for 2020 or benefits designated for 2021. What I mean by that is, you know, let's just say, you know, using my example, that I were to go in and the doctor said, yes, you need to have this procedure done, but we cannot fit you in until January 14th. What I think would be most beneficial to a number of people in this country is for that individual to be able to look at everything and say, you know what, I really can't afford this right now. I wanna make sure I have it done. So I'm going to use the fact that I had my deductible met and my out-of-pocket expenses met for 2020 and use those benefits. Now, it might be a situation where neither one, neither situation would necessarily hurt or help one way or the other, or it may be more beneficial for someone to use them as 2021 benefits. But again, this is why I'm proposing that it be the person's choice. I know some people might ask, well, if you have a chronic illness, you're going to probably meet that deductible and out-of-pocket every year. Yes, that is true, but sometimes it's in the structuring of how we're able to pay things. Um, in an instance such as this procedure, I know myself I have to have the funds paid or pretty much guaranteed before I go in. So it could then effectively delay the treatment even further because I don't have the funds to pay for it at that time. Now, a benefit that some people may not be aware of is things that are offered through either certain healthcare facilities or pharmaceutical manufacturers. Sometimes there is assistance that can be offered for co-pays or co-insurance. And again, that will affect how you structure your payments. And there are, there's a lot of different things that can impact that individually. But again, that's why I think it's important that we have that choice since we could not control the fact that you know, all these other procedures had to be pushed back, that offices were closed, and now they're effectively 
trying to fit you know, one year worth of appointments and treatments into say eight or nine months because they're all, all had to be rescheduled. I will post the link to the change.org petition in the description of my um, podcast. But again, to me, it's very important because I know usually in most years, I have a very good sense of how I need to schedule appointments or get things done at the beginning of the new year but this has completely changed the way I approach everything. Um, I did mention earlier about comments on you know, social media. I saw one earlier, you know, not directed particularly at myself, but just in general that it's, it's up to the individual um, to you know, govern their own finances. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. And that's why, you know, I would structure and think of things beforehand to try to make sure I'm covered. But this is something that no one would have been able you know, to predict that in any given year that we would be under you know, this health crisis and things had to be shut down like that. So, you know, again, I understand the need to be autonomous and take care of your own bills that insurance was being paid somehow during those months where the offices were closed. So we did not have the opportunity to take advantage of those benefits at that time. So I really think it's something that we need to move forward on and try to get going so that this unintended consequence, this thing that's kind of been pushed to the back burner and I really don't hear much about, is really going to be out there and impacting a lot of people. So if you get a chance, I really hope that you'll take a look at the petition and you know sign that and forward it to anyone else that you might think is interested in hearing about it or reading about it and signing. Um, before I end today, I just want to take a minute to say, make sure you're staying vigilant. You know, again, I know we're hitting the holiday season. We want to make sure, though, that you're following all protocols, that you know you're that you're protecting yourself. Um, I'll give you an example. There was a situation where I had to go into a store um, last week, and I was not very happy about it, but it was a necessity at that time. And the person that I was speaking to, his mask kept dropping under his nose and dropping under his nose. And I told him a couple of times that I was immunocompromised and, you know, I'd appreciate it if he could, you know, pull up his mask and it just kept happening. And I don't think it was intentional on his part, of course, but at the same time, you know, I don't know who he's had contact with that day or the previous days more aptly um, because it could have been any time in the past few weeks he may have come in contact with someone who had COVID and he was asymptomatic. You know, we just don't know. And that's the thing with COVID. There are so many people who are asymptomatic. But at the same time, you know, I knew I had to say something because you know, what if he had caught it or not just him, anyone else that worked there, you know, to see that, okay, you know, people are paying attention. I did feel bad, but again, at the same time, I knew I had to say something for myself. So I'm learning to have a voice, which usually I'm not like that. I would have never said anything, but I know that I need to stick up for myself. And I hope that everyone out there does feel that too, because you deserve 
to you know, be heard. You deserve to be able to go out and just know that at least you know, proper protocols are being followed. And so just please keep that in mind as you know we continue on through this crisis. And um, what I'll do also in my description notes is I will link some of my social media as well as that information for the petition and hope that somebody and hope that you all find it important enough to sign. And like I said, if you feel like someone else might benefit from that, feel free to forward it because I really want to get it to the next step. Even if it's not something that we can institute, I want someone to look at it and say, you know what, this is an unintended consequence and we have to try to find a way to make it right. It may not be necessarily my proposal, but as long as someone can set eyes to it and see that it is a problem, it would have done its job. So if you would like to email me, my email address is seetheinvisible2020. That's S-E-E-T-H-E-I-N-V-I-S-I-B-L-E-2020 at gmail.com. Um, frankly, the, the email address seetheinvisible at email, seetheinvisible at gmail.com was taken, but I did kind of find it funny that, okay, well, 2020 was still available to add to it, and 2020 is perfect vision, so it just kind of fit in all together. Um, that was just a little side note, so, <laughs> um, but please feel free to email me. Um, I'm trying to start up just a website through Wix.com, so it wouldn't be a specific domain, but just a site um, for some information and some blogging. So um, on my Pinterest, I am going to be looking at some healthy recipes maybe. Um, I know myself, cooking helps me relax. Unfortunately, I can't cook like I used to. I can't stand as long. I can't really chop things as much. Um, and I don't really have the, the body strength to be able to lift some things or do certain things. But you know, it is something I enjoy and like learning about. So I'll share some recipes that maybe make me feel good, you know, a nice light meal or something like that. Um, but I hope that I get to talk to you all again next week and have a great week. And just remember, take care and thank you for listening. Bye-bye.